Welcome to the Moment of Truth Bible Baptist Church podcast, where we're listening to sermons from our pastor, Philip Coons. This is a sermon entitled, Sinful Mathematics, was preached August 9th, 2020, here at our home church, located at 310 Randolph Road in Kansas City, Missouri, just outside Claycomo. And of course, we invite you to join us any old Sunday. Sunday school is at 9.30, services are at 11 a.m. Come on by and say hi. And now, here is Pastor Philip Coons with Sinful Mathematics. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Lord Jesus, I pray that this sermon is not just words of me, Philip Coons, but Lord God, I do pray that you bless this sermon, that I am not the one who speaks it, but you speak it through me, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, right now that you will open up all the ears, Lord, the people here, the people at home, and me too, Lord. I pray, Lord God, right now that you will do the speaking, Lord, and that you will use my lips to give it. I pray right now, Lord God, that you be the one to deliver. I pray this in your holy name. Amen and amen. I've never been great at math. No, no, it's true. I've never been that great at math. Never been that great at adding and subtracting. Never been that great at it. It's not good with division. Never been great at, at, at any type of math, really. And if, to be completely honest with you, if it were for a calculator nowadays or a calculator on your phone or whatever, I'd be in a lot of trouble. I'd never be that great at math. I'm just not good at it. You could go back in time and you could or call my old math teachers and they'd tell you, oh, yeah, he's terrible. He's, he's just awful at it. He really is, you know. Uh, to answer math questions, if, to, to answer them, I pretty much have to have a calculator. I'm, I'm pretty bad at that. I just am. I do the best I can. Okay, I know a few of the old, you know, standbys, but I'm not that good at it. Just not good at that at all. But when it comes to those things, there's a bigger question, and that is, what is, and this is the question that people have nowadays, what is the worst possible Sin. That's the question that people ask. And they ask all the time. They don't ask me a lot of mathematical questions, but they ask me those kind of questions. What's the worst possible sin? And then they say stuff like, well, is one sin more of a sin than another sin? These are the things that people ask all the time. Is one sin more of a sin than another sin? And then they, I'm supposed to answer these questions. And so today, the sermon title is Sinful Mathematics. Sinful Mathematics. Because I think it's appropriate. Wouldn't that mean that we have to equal what sin is more of a sin than another sin? I mean, surely there is, because we have a system where one thing we do is worse than another thing that we do. So surely that's how it's got to be. It's why I wore this tie today. It's the only time I ever wore it. Uh, I've worn it a couple times, but uh, usually... It's around when school opens up for the kids. And so I'm wearing it now because it actually has math being done. And I thought, wow, I actually have a reason to wear it. So sinful mathematics, sinful, not simple mathematics, because coming from me, that would be a lie. But 
sinful mathematics. And so here we go. I'm going to say something to you. I'm going to let you finish it. We'll do a little bit of math together. One and one equals wrong. One and one is 11. You, you see, I spelled something out for you because it's a certain point of view. It's a certain point of view. One and one is 11. Because that's the way the world looks at things when it comes to sin. They see something completely different than the truth. They look at a different point of view of things. One and one is 11. See, th this is what we're going through nowadays. All throughout this year, we can see it more obvious than ever that to some people's point of view, a sin is not a sin. A sin is a way of life. But no, that's not a sin. That's my choice. That's not a sin. You may call it a sin, Pastor Philip, but it's not really a sin. And who are you to tell me what's right and wrong? Well, the fact is I'm not. God is. God is the one who says what's right and wrong. Well, there is no God, Pastor Philip. You're just living in a, a fictional world. You're living in fantasy. Well, let me tell you something. You're not going to have to answer to me. That is true. But you will have to answer to God. I could stand up here right now and make you feel, make you feel, make you emotionally feel good about yourself. So go ahead, do what you want to do. It's okay. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because I love you too much to make you feel good for the moment. And then you stand before God. And I would have to answer for it. And you would still have to answer for your feelings for the moment. Because the mathematics, one day you'll have to answer for the mathematics of the sin and sins. One on one is not 11, it is two, incidentally. See, I may not be good at math, but I at least know that. And besides, it's on my tie. I happen to know. <laughs> that helped me. Okay, so, so I guess, yes, I had to cheat. All right, so anyway, all that being said, Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who exchange darkness for light and light for darkness, who exchange bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We know that we're living in the times where this has become a usual. We saw, it's not just this year, by the way. This has been building up for a long time, and we've known that. We've heard this for a long time. But it's more obvious now than ever before that we can see people who can even have the obvious answers right in front of them. But it's not obvious to them because they're looking at it from a completely different point of view. They see 11 when it's obviously two. You can have two people standing in front of you and say, no, I see 11. Okay, okay, but it's not 11. Okay, but I want to call it 11, so I'm going to call it 11. All right, well, you can call it anything you want to call it. Does it make it a fact? Bible says it's a sin. God calls it a sin. It's a sin. A sin is a sin is a sin is a sin is a sin. And that's how it goes. Let's take a look at what sin is. Let's take a look at it. Galatians chapter 5. And by the way, that's not all the sins in the world, but it, it, it covers it. It covers pr pretty much everything for the most part. Let's take a look at it. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And I would mark this if I was you, if you haven't already. Or at least write it down on a piece of paper or something. By the way, that's always a good thing to do. You can read every single day, all the time. And I'm not telling you how to live your life, incidentally, your Christian life, but I am giving you, I'm giving you some pointers, giving you some heads up. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are revealed, which are these? Adultery, sexual immorality, impurity, lewdness. Boy, I could spend an entire three hours talking about all these things, and someday maybe I will. Not three hours, don't worry. I'm not going to give you that long. But I've spent a whole sermon on every single one of these things, and maybe we will. But 
adultery. We know what that is. Sex out of wedlock. Sexual immorality. There's a lot of coverage on those things alone. Impurity. That goes right along with those. A lot of things are impure. Lewdness. That's rudeness. And what is lewd? Inappropriate. There's a lot of inappropriate behavior. We even see on TV for kids shows even. Stuff that they did. When I was a kid, even making a joke about certain bodily functions were thought of as rude. Nowadays, they just do it. Uh, in a split second, and they're like, oh, is that not really dirty? Well, you know what? It leads to other things, and there's all sorts of things that are inappropriate. And you say, well, it's not so bad. Yeah, it, it is too, because then all of a sudden they start making sexual jokes and all sorts of other stuff. You see what I'm saying? It goes to another, to another, to another, to another. It is wrong. It is lewdness. Idolatry, and that's another god. God's before the Lord. Sorcery. Satanic things. Say it's sorcery. Hatred. Boy, we see it all over the place. Hatred. Anger is one thing. Hatred's another. We gotta be careful with that. And we do it too. We gotta be careful. Strife, jealousy, rage, selfishness, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. And the like. Okay, this things like these. So this covers everything. And the like. Things are all covered in it. These like all this is anything. Some say, well, okay, but he didn't mention this and he didn't mention that. He didn't mention he didn't mention going through pornography. Okay, that's covered in all the sexual stuff. Okay, he didn't mention going on the internet and look. Okay, they didn't have the internet. He didn't, they didn't have that. Common sense does take a place at some point. Okay, but he didn't mention he didn't mention going to the store. No, no, no. It's talking about robberies. Talking about all this stuff. They didn't mention this. No, no. You know, you know. Sometimes common sense, like I said, you know, you know, you know, you know. It goes on to say, uh, at the second part of, of verse 21, I warn you, as I previously warned you, as Paul says, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we're not talking about you Christians, but I will tell you this, Christians. You know better. You do know better. You know better than to get involved with these things. And if you're having a struggle with these things, which we all do struggle with the flesh, but we know that we have to hand these things over to God because it will control us if we're not careful. But some sins are worse than others, right, Pastor? Some sins are worse than others, right? Well, no. No. No sin. Not to God. Sin is sin. Sin is what brings eternal, spiritual death. God sees a sin as equal to sin. A number is a number. Now, the amount of a number is one thing, but a number is still a number. Imagine going to Sesame Street and say, that's a letter. Okay. Okay, well, okay, I got to do it. I'm sorry. I got to do it. Um, a number is a number. Okay. And then you go over there. Uh, um, that's a, uh, a, a number. Um, that's a letter. Yay. So, but then you go back over there again and say, uh, that is a number. Okay, what number is that? It's 11. Yay! Okay, that's good. But then there's one number. It's still a number. A sin is still a sin. A, still a, a sin is still a sin. Okay, but isn't one sin more than another sin? No. A sin is still a, a sin. But then you can add to that. But one sin was enough to destroy the perfection of God. So one sin is not heavier than another sin. To God, one sin was enough to destroy all. One sin is not heavier. One sin is not out for God. One sin was enough to send you to hell. 
One sin is enough to send you to hell. But and we'll, I'm, stepping, I'm stepping ahead of myself, so I'll, I'll step back for just a second. You see, I get ahead of myself. Okay, Repercussions and consequences, repercussions and consequences eternally is the same. Eternal death, spiritual death. But here on earth is different. Why? Why is that? First of all, because law, law of the land. Here on earth, it might be different. There might be different. And uh, it, it all depends on what goes along with that. Well, first of all, it depends on how many sins that you did. But it's not because it's different to God, but because a lot of times of what we did and the repercussions of what we do here on earth. For instance, it, it, to God, it's a sin for us to lie. Okay? And it is. It's a sin. You go up to your mama, and I'm just using examples of stuff I have. I go to my mom and say, did you eat that piece of cake? No, mom. No. She might be courteous and let you get away with it. Did you eat that entire cake? No, mom. I was saving that for so-and-so at church. I might get a spanking. That might be my repercussion of it. Or did you steal that wallet? No, officer. There's bigger repercussions. See, this is common sense stuff. It's not that one sin is worse than the other. The repercussion might be worse. This is common sense stuff. This is common sense stuff. Sinful mathematics. The reason why we're going through this is because the world right now takes a look at it and, and to say that one sin is worse than the other. I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not bad. God, I'm a good person. No, you're not. Whoa, man, he's a mean pastor. Do you hear that? He said, I'm a horrible human being. I ought to die forever in eternal hell. Actually, yeah, I am. I am saying that. And you know what? So am I. And so are all these people in the church. Whoo! I'm not going back there. Do you hear what he just said to me? My pastor just said, I'm horrible. I ought to be burning in hell. Actually, I am saying that. Not because I don't love everyone. And if I could, I would come to all of them and take their place. I can't. I'm not worthy. I don't have the ability. And I don't have to. And you know why? It's already been done for us on the cross by the only one who could. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second, too. Listen to this, though. Listen to this. James 4, 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. You hear me? Now, now people could lie about that and say, well, I didn't know it was wrong. Yeah, you did. If you knew you shouldn't take that piece of cake, or that piece, of, and you did it anyway. Why do I keep going back to that? I did it. I did it. You don't get, you don't get looking like this from eating, you know, the appropriate amount of vitamins. You did, come on now. But our measuring stick is not the next door neighbors. I didn't mean that, Chad. Our measuring, <laughs> our measuring stick is not the, the people down the street. The measuring stick is not the political people on TV. Come on, man. No, the, 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 our measuring stick is not the people that we see uh, in the neighborhood. No, that's not the measuring stick. Our measuring stick is to be Jesus. That is our measuring stick. Therefore, James 4, 7, therefore submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist him. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. Yes, you could. But we don't sometimes. We didn't sometimes. This is where it gets embarrassing. The fact is, is all of us have been tempted. All of us have been tempted. Every single one of us and all of us at some point have given in. 
to some sort of temptation. I've done it. I've given in to some sort of lust. And lust is not always sexual, incidentally. We'll get to that here in a minute. But the fact is that all of us have given in to some sort of lust, whether it be gluttony, whether it be to, to, uh, to talk about things we shouldn't talk about, to say words we shouldn't say, to give in to anger, to hatred, to take things we shouldn't take, to feel in ways we shouldn't feel. This is the thing, have attitudes we shouldn't have. All of us are guilty of it, every single one of us. Who are you to judge me? I'm not judging you. I'm simply telling you the absolute truth. And in a way, I'm trying to say this to you to help you to relieve those chains from you today when you're alone at night. And the devil tries to make you feel guilty, and you know he does. You know he does. He does. Admit it, he does. I'm trying to help you to understand you are not alone. You're not alone. We all feel that way. Every single one of us. This is not the time to be pious and self-righteous to say, oh, I don't feel that way. I, I've been absolutely perfect. No, you're not. We're all sin and falling short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. No, not one. Not one. But it's Christ alone. Christ alone. We've all been tempted, all of us. James 1, 12 through 15 says this, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt anyone where am I? Tempt anyone. Neither does he tempt anyone, but each man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. But when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Now, this is the thing. One of the things that gets under my skin quicker than anything is when people try to blame God for temptation. God made me do it. God, don't you dare. Don't you dare, brother. Don't you dare. Don't you dare blame God. He may allow you to be tempted, but he's not the one that tempts. He may allow it. And lust is not only sexual. Lust can be with power, money, fame, joy, because we might find joy in things we shouldn't find joy in. Emotional. Th these things can be emotional, spiritual, mental, physical, and we are attacked by the enemy. Colossians 3, 5 through 6 says, Therefore, put to death the parts of your earthly nature, sexual immorality, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil desire, inordinate affection. We'll talk about this some other time. Evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. And it says this. Know this, in the last days, talking about now, last days, perilous times will come. Men shall be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemous, excuse me, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, slanderers, unrestrained, fierce despisers of those who are good, 
traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, turn away from turn away from such people. Those of this nature creep into houses and captivate silly women who are burdened with sins and led away with various desires, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is happening all over the place. People saying they want truth, saying they want God, but they don't. They don't really. They desire to feel good about themselves. And this is what I was saying earlier. It's not just sexually. It's not just that. But when we see it nowadays more than ever before, how sexually people are just taking advantage because Satan has blinded people. And they're saying, well, it's my body. It's my body. I can do anything I want to do. This is why people are going around. I'll talk about it more some other time. But people are going around talking about not even knowing what they are. Not even knowing what they are. Uh, little kids even going around. I don't know if I'm a boy. I don't know if I'm a girl. I don't know what I am. Well, I tell you one thing that you're not, and that is sure of yourself because you are not putting your mind with the Lord God because your mom and dad are ignorant enough to tell you make up your own mind. Folks, if you tell a kid to sit down at, at the dinner table, eat anything you want to, that's stupid. I'm sorry, it's stupid. If I was a kid and I ate anything I wanted to, I would eat nothing but Kit Kats and ice cream. Well, what's wrong with that? I don't know what's wrong with that. Teeth falling out and everything else. But the same is true spiritually. The same is true mentally. It's common sense. You don't get to make up your mind because you're ignorant. You don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. Follow the Lord who knows all things. Morally speaking, you don't know how to tell right from wrong. You don't know how to tell your math because you don't have the ability. Therefore, you shouldn't be choosing. And sexually, people say, it's my body. I can do anything I want to do. So therefore, people are going around making choices on things that they don't know anything. They don't know what's right and wrong. And I think a lot of times they know it's wrong, but they do it anyway. So it says this in 1 Corinthians 6.18, escape from sexual immorality. Every sin that a man commits is outside the body, but he who commits sexual uh, immorality sins against his own body. And we know that God created sex. He did. But he created it between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. One man and one woman at a time. Now, divorce is not necessarily a sin. It's not that. Uh, but people sometimes misunderstand that. The Bible said that whenever they're to be divorced, because a lot of times they see it, they say, oh, say so it says one man, one woman. Well, yeah, but, but that meant at a time, because at the time, whenever that was written, it was talking about how some people were believing that you could have more than one wife at a time. That's not what it was talking about, though. It said one man, one woman at a time. So we see people running around, and they think it's okay to sleep around. Well, no, it's not okay. That's what's called fornication. And then there's adultery. That is those who are married and, and, and having uh, uh, relations. And then there's other things that it talks about too. Many other things, like homosexuality being a sin, uh, all sorts of other horrible, horrible things that people are, are trying to do, being perverse, all sorts of perversal things. I'll talk about some other time. But I'll tell you this, the problem with it is this. Once you start opening the door for one type of sin, 
this in this in this sense, lust and sex and all these things. Once you start opening the door to these things, it opens the door for more because sin adds to more sin. This is the problem with, with sinful mathematics. One sin adds to more sin. And that's the truth. One adds to another, to another, to another, to another, to another, to another. I'm going to use David as an example. Poor David. Good man. Good man of God. But David looked across the way, and he saw Bathsheba. And how do you remember her name? How do we remember her name? Because she was taking the bath. Sheba. So therefore, that's how we know. But she, she looked over there, and there she was. Thoughts. He had her come over. They got to know one another, biblically speaking. Um, now, did she go along with it? Did she not? I don't know. I mean, it was he was the king. One like she could just say no. But at, all that being said, she was she did go along with it. They had uh, a couple things happen here. First of all, that's fornication, fornication, fornication because uh, they were not married. Also, that's adultery because he was married to several wives. And she was married. So it's adultery as well. So it's fornication and adultery. Then she got pregnant. And they lied about it. So there's lying with that. Then, if that's not enough, he tried. To, he was did it under uh, a guise and tried to make it look as if it was actually the husband. So he tried to do trickery and dissension and all this other stuff. And if that wasn't enough, and, oh, the husband, good man, what did he have that happen then? Then... Decided to have him killed. Because one sin adds to another sin. Adds to another sin. Adds to another sin. Adds to another sin. This is what happens when you start playing around with sinful mathematics. That's what happens. You can't go down that route. You will fall on your face. And we know the story. We know what happened. David got caught. He got caught. We as Christians, we battle. When we are saved, we, are, we battle. We battle with it. We battle with the inner self, flesh versus spirit. It's going to happen. Philippians 4, 5 says, let everyone come to know your gentleness. The Lord is at hand. And we need to know that. We battle with it all the time. We sure do. We're to walk in the light as he is the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, uh, is to cleanse us from all sin. And that's from 1 John 7. We are to make, and it goes on to say other things. Uh, we need to know that Jesus Christ is to be in charge of our life. It goes on to say this. It goes on to say verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We, even as Christians, sin. Yes, we most certainly do. Does this mean that we're lost again? No, it doesn't mean that, because it goes on to say in 1 John 3, 2 through 8, Beloved, now are we children of God, and it, uh, now are we children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. 
whoever practices sin breaks the law, for sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever remains in him does not sin. Whoever sins has not seen him and does not know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does righteousness is righteous, just as Christ is righteous. Whoever practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was revealed that he might destroy the works of the devil. So what does this mean? This means when you're saved, you're saved. But we are not to continue to live in sin intentionally. And you say, ah, because I'm saved, I'll just do whatever I want to do. It doesn't really matter. No, no, no. And then there's a confusion. Some people say, well, what about 1 John 5, 16 through 17? What about that? It says, if anyone sees his brother commit a sin, which does not lead to death, he shall ask and he shall give him life. This is for those who sin and does not lead, excuse me. This is for those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that he should pray for it. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. Now, this confuses people. This can be very confusing. Well, let's take a look at this. Number 16, when it, uh, verse 16, when it says, it does not lead to death. They're, they're talking about quality or deepness of sin? No. No, they're not talking about, uh, that's what they're talking about, the quality or deepness. Uh, we're not talking about uh, uh, the actual sin. It's just that they're talking about uh, how it's the type of sin. And, and it's, you know, we're not actually saying that it is a worse sin. It's not what they're talking about. They're talking about a quality, a deepness. And then 17, uh, it says all wrongdoing is sin, talking about eternal death. But there is a sin that does not lead to death. In, in other words, if you're saved and you're still sinning, it's not going to lead to death. But we should still pray for them, be there for them. And the problem is with us Christians, so many of our closed mind, closed heart, refuse to listen. It's by choice. In other words, for those who by choice continue to follow sin, for those who by choice continue to follow sin and not listen to God, they decide that they're going to just continue to live in sin, and God's done with them. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to save them, but he's not going to continue to go circle with them again and again and again. Like if they just are bound and determined to live in that sinful lifestyle, my relationship with them is done. In other words, not that they're not saved, but my ongoing relationship with them growing is done. In other words, if my mother and I, if I decided to leave her and just go on and never have a relationship with her, would she still be my mom? Sure but we wouldn't have a close relationship. We'd be like this, not like this. Would I still be her son? Sure. But we wouldn't, she wouldn't be my close mother. So for those who just are bound and determined to live in sin, will they still be saved? Sure. But they will be separated from God. They won't be like this with God. That's their choice because they continue to play around with sinful mathematics. And that's their foolishness. Sin adds to more sin. We can never, never fix it on our own. But though we try, though we try, we try so much as Christians and other people. We try to figure it out. We continue to think, well, I can take care of it on my own. I can figure it out on my own. I'm good with math, some might think. Not me. But they might think, I can do it. 
I can do it. No, we can't. God had to send us the one, Christ. Christ is our calculator. He's the calculator. If it weren't for the calculator in school, which, by the way, I couldn't use in school, but I had to use it when I got home sometimes, I'll be honest. If it weren't for the calculator, I would have failed miserably. And when it came time to figure it out and use it, I had it at, at school. I didn't use it at school, but I memorized. That's how I did it. I memorized it. I memorized the answer. <laughs> I don't want you to think I was cheating. I didn't, but I memorized what the answer would be because I could never really do the actual math, but I, had, I memorized what the answer was. So when it came time to it, that's what I would have done. But Christ, he is our calculator. He is our calculator. He figures out the simple mathematics. Because with him, one and one is one. Because one sin is enough, and there's only one answer to it, and that's Christ. He's the only one that can take care of your one sin that sent you to death, that sent you to eternal hell, everlasting death. And he wants to bring everlasting life. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, I could go on and on on that, but I won't. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Christ is our calculator and our eraser. When I was in school, I would sometimes write far too deep on a piece of paper with my ink, or I mean my lead, my graphite. Well, I would then try to erase. I would use the eraser, and I would go so deep with that eraser, and there, I would have almost no eraser left on my pencil or whatever I had. Even though you remember those kind of those weird rubbery uh, erasers, I would try so hard, and I'd go so hard with it, they would bust up in all sorts of little pieces. I could not get rid of the graphite, you know, the, the lead they call it, uh, on the piece of paper because I had gone too deep. This is the way the sin is on our eternal spirit. We, one sin has left a mark. You can't get rid of it. It's there. You can't erase it. But Christ is the eraser. He touches it and then poof, it's gone. Because he has made it white as snow. And by the way, God has a way of erasing things and making things great. A while ago I mentioned David. I mentioned David. How David messed things up, right? David then repented. And he did. He repented. And after he repented, you know what God did? I mean, isn't God beautiful? Isn't God wonderful? Isn't God tremendous? God then said, okay, David, because you repented, and, and I'm going to put Bathsheba and you together. You guys are going to get married. And they did. And some foolishness might say, well, th this was always God's plan, and so therefore they were supposed to say, no, they weren't. No, they weren't. God is the kind of God that could take a bad thing and make it good after, after the repentance, though. And so they did. They did. They got together. They got married. And you know what happened? They had a son later on named Solomon. And not only did Solomon follow God, through Solomon and through his generations later, through his bloodline, came a son named Jesus. Think of that. Remember this. God can make everything right. But it says in James 2.10, and we need to remember this, 
For whoever shall keep the whole law, and yet, and this is for us who, who think that we can do it all on our own, because we can't. You can't erase it. You cannot, I don't care how good you are at arithmetic. I don't care if you're the greatest arithmetic, and you think you're the greatest Christian, and you think you're the greatest person. I'm so good. I'm so good. You're not good enough. Listen to what it says here, James 2.10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, is guilty of breaking the whole law. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But praise the Lord, folks. Praise the Lord. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I'm horrible at math. I'm horrible at math. But I'm good enough to know this. I don't have to be good at math. I don't have to be good at sinful mathematics. Jesus Christ is the calculator and the eraser. He's taking care of it for me. And he can take care of it for you. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you're scared, because you've been making mistakes in your life. Listen, that can change today. Jesus can erase all of your sins. Perhaps you're one who's thought, but I'm an okay person. Sure, I lie. Okay, so I've stepped out of wedlock. There's nothing wrong with that. It's my body. I can do anything I want to do. Listen, 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 listen. listen. I understand. That's what we've been raised to think in this society. It is a sin. It is wrong. I know that they tell you that it's okay. God says something different. I know that you're being taught that it's all right to do whatever you want to do. God says something different. I know that we're taught that it's all right to say what we want to say. I'm guilty of it too. God tells us something different. But I can't be perfect. God's not telling you to be perfect. He's saying follow the one that is. You're going to falter. You're going to fail sometimes. But when you do, the great calculator is going to help pick you up and guide you and lead you. The whole point is not to follow and try to figure out the simple mathematics and say it's okay. Hey, at least I'm not as bad as this one or that one. And Look over to the other person's homework and say, hey, at least I didn't get that one wrong. No, 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 no. No. Quit looking to the person's homework and saying, hey, at least I got this one right where they got theirs wrong. No, don't look at that. Look at this, the Word of God. And you follow Him, not them. Follow Him, not them. Don't worry about the simple mathematics anymore. You worry about the calculator, the eraser. He's already got the mathematics taken care of. Amen? Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Lord God, we thank you that you have taken care of all of our issues, all of our problems. Lord God, we thank you so very much. We know we live in a society where they like to try to justify all the mistakes we make. In fact, they say, no, they're not mistakes. You're making a mistake by calling it a mistake. But Lord, we know that's a lie of the enemy. And Lord God, I pray right now for all the young. 
for all those who foolishly live thinking it's okay, that it's okay to live in, in such a lifestyle that that is destroying them eternally, Lord Jesus Christ, and destroying their bodies too. Lord, I pray that this be the day that they open their eyes, that they open their eyes and realize that they're hurting themselves, but that you're here to calculate it for them and to erase it for them and to set it right. Lord, I pray that this be the day that if we, even as Christians, that if we are doing things wrong and saying that we love you, that we show it, to ourselves, that we show it by being obedient to you, that if we are to be your children, that we be obedient to you, Lord God. Show us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to follow you and you alone. In Jesus' most holy and precious name, I pray. Amen.